Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... From the beginning to the end, from birth to the grave, a time for every purpose. Purpose is really big in our culture under heaven, although in the Bible it appears to be that the ultimate purpose of life is to know God and to experience God. What does that tell us? That tells us that nothing, okay, when he, when he says here to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, it tells us that nothing in your life is random, that God is really in control. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. But what does that really mean? When we are experiencing seasons of plenty, we have less questions. But when God takes us through a challenging season, it can be more difficult to see the purpose. In today's message with Pastor Jim, we'll review this reality in the light of God's Word. The Bible actually does impart insights into the purpose of the changing times and seasons of life. But we need to seek Him through relationship to understand them. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, What Time Is It? Okay, I want to just read Ecclesiastes 3.14 one more time. King Solomon writing, uh, or an autobiography writer, Bible writer will refer to throughout the passage, probably talking about King Solomon who lived about a thousand years before Jesus Christ. And the Bible writer has been taking the position of what we've been calling a secular skeptic, which would be many people in our society, in our culture. It could be you here today. Maybe you're a, a secular skeptic. You think that we just you know, live on earth and then we go in the ground. We die and we go in the ground and that's it. Uh, as one of my atheist friends says, what I love about getting together with you, Jim, is I'm fully educated in the religion or the faith that I'm rejecting. And I always say, well, at least I respect that of you, and, uh, but you know me. And he goes, I know, you'll never give up. And I say, of course, I won't. So Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. Well, over the last couple of weeks, I've been conducting an experiment uh, for myself. I know that I was coming to this passage, and I wanted to uh, think of how often I heard the following statement or how many times I said the following statement. And I said it a lot more than I heard it, trust me. And it's the title of the message is, What Time Is It? What Time Is It? Seems to be a very common question that we are asking one another. Time is a very valuable commodity. Uh, Many of us say that we never have enough time. Other people say stuff like, where did the time go? Uh, Perhaps we'll say that the time got away from me. If those of us who are a little bit older, or if you listen to oldies stations at all, you remember the Rolling Stones saying many years ago, time is on my side. You seen a picture of them lately? Time is definitely not on their side, right? I'm not so sure if they want to sing that one anymore. Uh, we hear people say, time is money. I'd like to buy some time. Uh, time flies. I'm stressed for time. Time is running out. Or my time is completely out of balance. And a whole industry has cropped up. And I have invested a lot of money in this industry, and I'm sure a lot of you two have as well. The industry is called time management management. 
as time management products are very, very popular, as many of us are trying to uh, beat the clock, rein in our time, make good use of our time. Now, the Bible talks about time a lot. In fact, in the life of Jesus, the Bible says before he had, uh, it was time to go on the cross, it said that his time had not yet come. Jesus at one point says, my time is near. And then the Bible announces right before Jesus goes to the cross that his time had come. And today we're going to see, we're going to notice that it's God that controls time. The Bible also talks about something else, and the word in today's text is the word seasons, seasons. And the seasons are out of our control. They just come, and they change, and they change, and they change, and there's nothing we can do about it, right? Okay, so I asked you, how many of you doing yard work yesterday? How many of you suffering from seasonal allergies? Any of that? Yes. This morning, I woke up, and I said to my wife, are my sinuses in the neighbor's yard? I mean, it just felt like I had gained like two tons up in my sinus today from being outdoors all yesterday doing work. And so seasons and what happens in the seasons are out of our control. Probably most of us would like to live in the season of where it's 70 all the time, yet our sinuses, if we have allergies, feels like we do right after a light rain. So everything is kind of washed away. How many of you are getting tired of your yellow car? And if you're getting tired of your yellow car, you're like, my car is, no matter what happens, it's just yellow all the time. We cannot control that. But the Bible also places a very heavy emphasis, not only on the fact that we can't control the seasons, but God is at work or God's activities in the seasons of the life of his people. Now, it's in I would say it's an activity in the life of everyone, but remember the Bible is primarily, although this book might be a little bit different, primarily written to uh, the people of God. Now there's a tension here that we have to hold very tightly. While the seasons are out of our control, our response to the seasons of life really matters to God. Now notice I said our response to the seasons. What I didn't say was figuring out the seasons. Rather, God wants us to trust and obey him even when, or dare I even say, especially when we cannot figure out the seasons of life or things are beyond our control. Now here in Ecclesiastes chapter three, it actually runs in parallel to Ecclesiastes chapter one. The message in that section was, why get out of bed? But now there's something different that's going on in this chapter. Back in chapter one was about the cycles of nature. Here, the cycles of nature are replaced by the seasons of our lives. Now, verses three to eight will be well known to many of us because it was, a, it was a, verses three to eight, a popular song by the birds, uh, actually written by Pete Seeger, uh, called Turn, 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 There is a Season to a Season, Turn, 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 I won't sing it, don't worry. And in the poem here, it is a poem, it's wisdom literature, this portion of the Bible, it mentions the word time 28 times. Now, I think it's very interesting to me that many of us who knew this song before we were Christians were actually singing the Bible before we were Christians. I could just imagine God grabbing the angels and going, hey, you want to see something funny? 
<laughs> watch this guy, right? Watch this guy, you know, somewhere hanging out at a bar or a nightclub or something like that, or in his fr- car with his friends or in his college dorm room, you know, singing turn, turn, turn with the birds and not even realizing that he will be singing the Bible, she will be singing the Bible, not only much in their life to come, but for all eternity. So those of you who are taking notes we're going to be looking at three things. Now, if you're here and you're a guest, you're probably like, why are they writing? You're probably thinking, they're so strapped for time. They're doing their to-do list, or they're writing letters, or they're sending emails now. That could be, I don't know. But other people are taking notes, to, and we take the notes really just to keep us focused and following the flow of the text. So three looks at time this morning. Number one, Earth's time. Number two, God's time. Number three, our time. So let's start with Earth's time. Uh, verse 1 serves as the introduction of the Bible writer telling us what uh, he wants to say or what he wants to talk about. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So Ecclesiastes 3 is a look at life from the beginning to the end, from birth to the grave, a time for every purpose. Purpose is really big in our culture under heaven, although in the Bible it appears to be that the ultimate purpose of life is to know God and to experience God. What does that tell us? That tells us that nothing, okay, when he, when he says here to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, it tells us that nothing in your life is random, that God is really in control. Now, this is something that has turned the heads of theologians for years, and there are some good theological answers to this stuff that are worth nothing when you're in crisis, really. Because it's hard to reconcile, hard to resolve the existence of a good God in an evil world. And the Bible writers really don't try to so much reconcile it, although some of it may be reconciled in some of your hearts this morning. As much as the Bible writers would say this, I know it's hard to resolve, but here's a way you can't resolve it. You can't resolve it by saying God's not in control. You may try a whole different ways, but let's eliminate one. That's a big one. People want to say, well, you know, God just lets things happen. He doesn't really care. He's not in control. No, the Bible writers say you can't, you can't resolve this world. You can't resolve evil and suffering by saying God's not in control. So what, what does that mean for your life and for mine? God would say in the puzzle of your life, there's no missing pieces. There's not like God is, is weaving your life together and comes together at the end and goes, Gabriel, where's that missing piece of their life? Never caught off guard. If you don't know who Gabriel is, he's an angel. Never calling people, figuring out what in the world is, is going on. Now, let's understand this, that, that God is in control of the world and much that goes on in this world, he hates. God is not always pleased with this world, but God is never confused about this world. He's never distressed. His plan is right on track. Nothing, nothing is going to make that plan not come to pass. Now, the word season here is very, very interesting. It doesn't really uh, go with the seasons of the year. It's a word that carries the idea of a fixed time for a purpose. Now, the Bible students, you may have heard of what's called the Septuagint. 
or maybe sometimes in your Bibles, you'll see a little reference that says in the 70. It doesn't mean in the 70s. 70 is the amount of scholars, or some people say 72, that worked on the Septuagint. And the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Greek was the language of the Roman Empire. One of the reasons why it was so uh, important that Jesus came at that time because there was, a, there was a common language that the apostles were able to speak and take out uh, to the world. We'll talk about that in a second. And so in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word for season that they use is the word kairos. And kairos means the right moment. In other words, time, kairos, is viewed as an opportunity. Now, chronos is a different word. It's a duration of time. But here God is talking about something larger than the days or the months or the years. Now, it's common for people to hear hear Christian people talk about this, about making time for God in a world that seems to have no time for him. And if we're honest, making time for God is a struggle for many of us, if not all of us. And yet time is one of the most important gifts that God has given to his people. So our stewardship or our management or our responsibility with time should be looked at very, very carefully. Study the Gospels. Watch Jesus very carefully. He often pulled away from the crowd to pray. He often himself got alone. We would say Jesus guarded his time. Now, you can bet there would be people who were not happy when he was guarding his time. Oh, he could be out healing people. He could be out doing good things. He could be out feeding people. He could be out doing all kinds of stuff. But Jesus knew that he needed to spend time away with his heavenly father in order to be equipped to spend time with people. And you know that the world has actually studied this. A recent study came out by some, uh, I think it was Wharton School of Business. They sat down to ask the question, were the most successful people, in their eyes, business people, in this world, were they introverts or extroverts? And they looked at people like Bill Gates and Michael Dell and people who have really, uh, in, in largely in the areas of technology, changed this country. And you know, they found something that Jesus would have told you, I knew all along. Actually, the most successful personality is what's called an ambivert. An ambivert demonstrates both being an introvert and an extrovert at different times. In other words, somebody like Bill Gates, typically it goes like this. An ambivert spends their morning at their craft, their afternoon with people imparting the vision for their craft, and the evening with their homes. That's typically, not always, but that's typically the schedule. So someone like Bill Gates would spend time alone developing the concept of what Microsoft wanted to do, then meet with the people imparting the vision, and then go home and actually rest his brain rest his brain, and get up tomorrow and do the same thing. Jesus did the same thing. He guarded his time. He got away from the crowds. He spent time with the Lord. So time was very important to him. Uh, Verse two, a time to be born and a time to die. That's, there it is, right? From the beginning to the end of life, a time to plant and a time to pluck what has been planted. So here the Bible writer tells us that God chooses the time, okay, of our birth and our death. Now, some people may say we can do certain things. We can never affect our birth, but we can do certain things to affect, even somebody might say a C-section or, or, or maybe some sort of uh, you know, way of, that you can 
now this injections for someone would have themselves killed or something like that. But remember, it didn't catch God by surprise. He knew when there would be the time of birth. He knew when it would be the time of death, just as he chooses a time to plant and to harvest. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't you plant in February in the middle of the snowstorm? Won't grow. That's not true because God chose when you're going to plant. God chose when you're going to plant. Now, you can plant in the winter. You can under the snow. It's not going to grow, right? See, God chose the time. Those of you who have vegetable gardens, he chose the time to plant, and he chose the time that you're going to reap, okay, that you're going to get. You, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose that. God did that. And certainly we have a, there's a time to work. There's a time to plan. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to enjoy. It could be here that might be that planting is birth and plucking is death. There's a time when God says, I'm going to plant you. And there's another time when I'm going to pluck you out of this world. You see, what is, what is God driving us to as a, as a gardener? You know what? You know that you, if you plant something, that it needs water and it needs sun. And God is saying to everybody, I know where you bought the seeds, but I want you to ask where the water came from. I want you to ask where the sun came from. I want you to ask who in the world is in charge of the rotation of the planet around the sun that determines when I plant and when I harvest. Now, many people look at this poem. We know it more as a song, but of course, you know, Pete Seeger just, you know, pilfering from the Bible. I don't think God had a problem with it, to be honest with you. Many people say it's negative, but remember chapter two, which we closed out last week, ended with the enjoyment of God. So it's a huge lesson that we are about to learn, huge, that a committed follower of Jesus Christ comes to love the sovereignty of God. That a maturing follower of Jesus, no matter what's going on, is willing to say, God, I know the seasons of my life are in your hands. God, I know that maybe my kids are not where I want them to be, but this is a season. I know Maybe my marriage is not where I want it to be, but this is a season. I know that my job, my health, whatever it is, is not where I want it to be, but God, I know this is a season, and I know that you're gonna work this out for my good. And he's gonna tell us so much in the verses to come. Verse three, he continues with things or activities, seasons of our lives, things that happen between life and death. He says, verse three, a time to kill. That doesn't mean you're like, I wanna kill you. I don't think that's what it is. I think Solomon would be talking about, about war, okay? A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. And probably a general application for us is there's, there's sometimes we tear things down and we, we build them back up or we replace them or we start all over. Verse four, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Friends, there are going to be in this life, in between your birth and, and your death, times of great sorrow, crushing sorrow, times when you're gonna wonder if you can even go on. And God says, listen, maybe your friends are gonna tell you, oh, you just gotta trust God and whatever. And God says, no, there's a time to mourn. But he also says, you know, there's also times to enjoy. All of life is not to be mourning. There's a season for it, yes. But there's also seasons of great joy, and maybe we should enjoy them. 
maybe we shouldn't live like all of life is so miserable. Verse 5, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. In war, they would throw stones on fields to destroy it. They wanted to destroy the enemy's field. They couldn't just blow it up. And then they would come back maybe in the aftermath and take the stones up to, to make that field useful again. A time to embrace. Maybe that's just a hug, right? Maybe it's a time to love people. Maybe if you're married, it's a way to, to just say things that maybe there's no words for. He says, a time to refrain from embracing. Any of you guys with daughters know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Some guy comes over, wants to date your daughter, and you say, yes, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. Guess which time it is for you, my friend, right? <laughs> Could be times when we want to be with people, and other times we just want to be alone. That's okay. That's okay. A time to gain or, or time to acquire things and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Some of us don't throw anything away, right? <laughs> Pack rats. Pack rats. It could be in our society, you know, as, as some of us get older, you know, you're young. If you're young, maybe you have a family. You're thinking, oh, we need another bedroom. You know, we need a bigger house. We need a bigger apartment. And then you get older, the kids move out, and you're like, why do we have this big place? <laughs> right? Maybe we need to downsize a little. Verse 7, a time to, to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to, to speak. When there was intense mourning, what people would do, would they would they would tear their clothes and they would keep silent. One of the ways you knew that they were getting better is they would take the clothes that they tore, they would sew them back up again. And they would start, they would start talking again. But I think it's a great picture of our relationship with Jesus. There's, there's times when we need to talk to Jesus, but there's also probably a lot more times when we just need to be still and we need to be quiet and we need to be silent and we need to hear the Lord speak. I know I'm old-fashioned, but that's probably one of the reasons why I'll, I will probably never make it a regular practice to use my cell phone to spend time alone with the Lord because it dings too much from other places. <laughs> a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. So the Bible writer here is making some observations of life. Bible students, you might want to note, when you read the Bible, one of the key questions you want to ask yourself is, is the text uh, descriptive or is it prescriptive, right? Is it uh, describing, descriptive, something that occurred, or prescripted, telling us something to do? So here you have one here. Um, a time to kill, descriptive or prescriptive? I think that's descriptive, okay, <laughs> right? Uh, Solomon having 700 wives, that's descriptive. You don't tell your wife, ah, I need you know, 699 to go, babe. I'll be like Solomon. That's not what we do at all. Here, he's just describing a general description of life. Not all of us will experience every part of it, but most of us will experience a lot of these things, and they're out of our control. Interesting, when Pete Seeger wrote the song, uh, it was a peace song, that was the purpose of writing it. He adds at the end, after a time of peace, he adds, I swear it's not too late. 
I wonder if Pete Seeger was onto something that a lot of us are onto, that something seems to be missing. When the author says a time of peace or a time of shalom, it is so elusive in the human existence. I don't know about you, I really don't consider myself to be a really um, high and low person. I'm not, you know, up and down and up and down. Sometimes I wish I was a little more like that, to be honest with you. But I, I feel so unsettled so often. I just often feel like there's just something missing, that there's so much more out there. And, that, and you always feel like there's something to deal with. You remember that, that great theologian, Rosanna Dana, right? It's always something. Earth's time is very complex. I don't know that I've found anybody who has uh, captured it better to me than St. Augustine. St. Augustine said this about time. He said, I thought I understood it until someone asked me to explain it to them. (laughs) I find that strangely comforting. (laughs) That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.